Obviously in the travelling community it wasn't easy to come out, you know, and say I was gay. I tried taking my life, you know, three times. What overdoses I did. Yeah, I did. Because I felt like, you know, when I was a child I felt like they're winning. You know, I have to do this because there was family um, who used to message me on, on social media, which was Facebook at the time, and say like, you know, we hope you die, you know, faggot, queer, you know, shouting all them names. And I just turned around and said I was that angry, honestly, and my insides was burning. And I thought my own head, just, just, if you're going to do it, do it now. And I turned around and said to them, I said, listen, I said, my gender, I said, my sexuality, I said, it's got nothing to do with said, well, what I can do with these here. I said, so come out and take your top off. All the sharps was on the site, everything just snapped you. And out he come. Now, he was a professional boxer. He was a bit older than me. He was 18, I was 16. And I went out and honestly, thanks to the God, God was on my side that day. I'm mortified. I was there to prove something. And I said to them, look, I don't care what it comes to or what I have to do, I said. I will do it, I said, if I have to. I said, I'm no different, I said, to a normal man, I said, in this community, I said, I just have to stand strong for, obviously, every other gay gypsy and traveller out there, you know what I mean? Because they're going to go through what I went through. You know, my father got out of here, give him a good bait. Very, very, very bad going over, he gave him. And he gave him what he deserved. The whole family said it. Of course. We drove off, we thought it was all solved. No, it wasn't. I was sitting at home. Knock, knock, knock. Came on the door from the Metropolitan Place. He said, um, Martin Francis Ward? I said, yeah. So that's me. He went, yeah. He said, you're under arrest, he said, attempted murder. So my father got remanded in jail. He went to Belmarsh, six months on remand, and I went to high down. Keep your mouth button, I said, walk away, I said, why do you can? But he wouldn't listen to me. I said, fine. I said, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. You know, Ronnie picks up a lock and chain. I said, put his brains out of it. But we struck him a good few times anyway, fell on the floor, we put his brains out, slurred from here all the way over there. Blood was squirting everywhere, all over, all over the road. She walks away, and within 10 seconds, 30 men come running to the front of our plot with slashings, machetes, whatever you could dream of, ballys on the whole lot to attack us. So this is what we've done. I said to our Tom, get in the Audi, I said, and run them all over, I said. Man, woman, and child, I said, flatten them all. So when we drove out of the plot, I went left. Wiped the whole site out that way, our Tom went right, wiped all out. But our Tom struck Martin Ward, slap. But this man, now Martin Ward, was squashed between his Audi and the back of a transit pickup, but the bar on the back of the body went through his chest and out through his back. Yeah. What I would like our community to know, with all the hate and all the abuse I got over the years, look what you made. I'm sitting here today, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you've made me, with all the abuse, all the names, all the name calling. This is how I've turned out today. Welcome back to KRM TV. Today, delighted to have another great guest. Today, delighted to be in Kent with Martin Puff Daddy Ward. Martin, how are we doing, my friends? Very good, yeah, very good. So, thank you very much for the opportunity. You've been on your case for a long time. You have, yeah. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Martin's a very prominent member within the Gypsy and Traveller community, and he's very outspoken in the fight against discrimination, racism, and oppression. Yes. But we're going to get to all of that down the line. Let's go back to the start and find out sort of what sculpted you into the man you are today. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your sort of childhood and where you were raised, your family settings, where, you, where did you come uh, We were basically based, um, home to us was Manchester. Um, we were known obviously as the Manchester Ward, Rough Dudlow's crowd, you know. So Manchester was sort of home. You know, we still class it as home now, we're known as the Manchester Wards. So you spent most of your upbringing in Manchester, was Manchester, it? Manchester, yeah. And were you settled on a certain site? No, or were no, you no. Moving around a lot? We were moving around, yeah. We were obviously moving all over Manchester, you know, as well as up and down the country. You know what I mean? North, south, London, back, you know, back to Manchester. But Manchester was the home base. Manchester yeah. was home. And um, in terms of your immediate family, brothers and sisters, you have many siblings? Nine. Nine. Nine, nine of us, yeah. Oh, Five boys and four girls. 
So yeah, that must be crazy then, and hard yeah, work for your parents. It, yeah, so. yeah, living living in a little trailer with with nine brothers and sisters. Yeah, wasn't easy. No. You know, and so where did you come in the sort of? Uh, uh, so I was the third from the top. So I have a sister and a brother who was older than me. Okay, nice. And so then talk to me about your sort of childhood. Was it a happy childhood and that with obviously loads of family? We had an amazing childhood, buddy. Honestly, amazing. I wouldn't change a thing in in in, in life of what you know where it started to where I am now. You know what I mean? Obviously, in the traveling community, it wasn't easy to come out, you know, and say I was gay. That was one factor that never, you know, went down quite good with the community. Of course. And so what age did you realise you were gay? I knew from a very young age, 10, 11. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I just knew looking at girls. I just didn't like girls. You know what I mean? It was, there was something else there. Obviously, I was very confused as a child. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, a lot of horrible travellers as well, you know, saying sort of you can't. You know, hang around with your children and stuff like that, saying, you know, you'll turn your children gay, which was impossible to do. You can't turn anybody gay. And so when did you come out as being gay then? Uh, when what? I was 15. Yeah. And real. what was the your family's response to it then? Your, your dads and your brothers? And... Wasn't good. More, more the outside family, not my immediate family, like my mother and father. My mother and father wasn't really bothered. It was more like, you know, what pressure we were going to deal with within the community of trying to sure. say, you know, my child is gay. It wasn't going to be easy. So I took it upon myself when I turned 15. Obviously, a lot of my uncles, you know, didn't approve of it. We were all camped out in Brighton. A big argument took off. I ended up, you know, beaten up. And I chose to get in my motor. I was very young. You know, I was, I was still driving even though I was only 15. And I chose to leave home. And then, obviously, I went for a year. I never heard from anybody. And I thought, nah, this, this ain't right. You know what I mean? They can't just, you know, disown you and forget about you. You know what I mean? It's, this, this, is, this is not the way you know, it should be for anybody, no matter who you are. 100%, but like you said, within uh, different communities, the Traveller and Gypsy community are probably the most sort of alpha sort of males, yeah. real manly men, fighters, yeah. non-fighters. Yeah. And so you, you probably had it harder than anyone having to come out within that community. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that I can't remember any openly gay travellers, obviously prominent ones before yourself. So no, you were no. like... I was on my own. Because you were the first, it's the hardest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know. So, so that year, obviously, I know how close gypsy and traveller families are and how they really support themselves, really spend a lot of time together. So that year, mm. especially at 15 years old, because 15-year-olds heads all over the place anyway, yeah. they come out with all of that. Mm. must have been such a difficult year for you. Like, what yeah. were you up to during that year? Then? Well, I can tell you, I wasn't in a very pleased mood anyway, you know what I mean? I was very angry, you know what I mean? I felt like I want answers and I want them now, you know what I mean? So I turned 16, got a bit more mature, you know what I mean? And sort of thunk about it now, like, you know, seven, eight months later and I thought, I ain't having this. And then I'd done, I'd done a phone call to one of the family. I said, I want to know where my mother and father is. So everyone was like, oh, you know, you know, what are you going to do? If you go back, you could end up hurt, you know, again, this, that and the other. I said, I don't give a fuck. I said, that's the best way. So who beaten you up previously then? So uh, my uncles. Uncles? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's crazy. It's obviously like the, obviously where certain people, they don't understand mm. it and stuff like this, thinking they're going to beat you out of you, and you're a confused young boy, they're trying to look some sense into you, they're probably trying to do it from a good place, but it's the worst thing that can happen to you. Where you Absolutely. Like, it's obviously yeah. not something that you wanted to be, you didn't choose to be again, you were yeah. gay. Simple mm. as that, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So you know when you come back at 16, did you end up, obviously you decide, right, I'm coming back, whatever it's going to be is going to be, did you end up having to have lots of fight? I can imagine you must I, have... I, I, I got the phone call from my family and the words that the tournament said to me was, my mother and father was in Danzig Street site in Manchester, where we were reared, where my, you know, my grandparents you know, lived. It was a site that's you know, well known by the family. We were all reared there, all as young, all brought up together. 
and I found out that they were there, so I thought, I'm going back. You know what I mean? I'm going to deal with what's in front of me. I'm not scared of my own family. You know what I mean? It's nothing to be scared of. And I stood my ground. I got on the motorway from Kent, and I won't tell a lie on my way. I've done a U-turn. I thought, nah, it's probably not the right thing. But then my brain told me, turn around and go to Manchester. I headed to Manchester on my own. I didn't care about what was in front of me. I don't think I was thinking about what was in front of me. And I'll never forget it. I went in the gate at Danzig Street. And I just looked at my father and my mother. Obviously, you know, there was emotions. Everybody was upset. It was my choice to leave. You know what I mean? Nobody made me leave. But having no contact and trying to sort of move on without me, everybody, was a little bit you know, difficult for me to deal with in my head. So I went into the site and obviously, you know, a lot of people had a lot of things to say who was on the site. Joyce's wards, faggot, queer, you know, shouting all them names. And I just turned and said I was that angry, honestly, my insides was burning. And I thought my own head, just, just, if you're going to do it, do it now. And um, a Joyce fella, I'm not going to say his first name because I get upset when you mention it. He started shouting all the names especially. One of my father's cousin's sons. And I turned around and said to him, I said, listen, I said, my gender, I said, my sexuality, I said, it's got nothing to do with what I can do with these hair. I said, so come out and take your top off. All the sharps was on the site, everything, this, that, and the other. And out he come. Now, he was a professional boxer. He was a bit older than me. He was 18. I was 16. And I went out, and honestly, thanks for the God. God was on my side that day. I mortified him on sight. Mortified him. And then his father come out and bet him after I bet him. You know what I mean? And that was it. You know what I mean? Okay, they yeah. knew I wasn't, you know, the sort of, you know, gay young fella that they were going to walk all over. You know what I mean? I was there to prove something. And I said to them, look, I don't care what it comes to or what I have to do. I said, I will do it, I said, if I have to. I said, I'm no different, I said, to a normal man, I said, in this community, I said, being gay, I said, what's your gender got to do with what you're capable of doing? I said, it doesn't change you as a person. It doesn't make you, I said, any smaller, any weaker, I said, than anybody else, you know? So I got good, you know, by moving on and, you know, schooling the community to say, well, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is, you know? Being yeah, gay. obviously, you're probably more of a fighter than anyone should have to actually come out. Yeah. It would have been easier if you just keep it quiet, stay in the shadows, in the way mm. that you came out of it, whatever it may be. Absolutely. And then, obviously... After a given period of time, you mm. must have obviously been accepted even by the wife yeah. and all that. Yeah. Because once obviously mm. everyone gets over the shock of it, yeah. and you're an outspoken person, you're not Definitely. going away anywhere. Mm. It's and just, I don't know, like, so lots of them would accept it, but you do still sort of have a lot of travellers that hate on it. You know what I mean? But it's just, you know, travellers should be open-minded to know they don't get respected, you know, as, as travellers in this country or being a gypsy in this country. So how can they then look at me and shun me and disown me and say, I'm no good? You know what I mean? You've got to respect others to be respected yourself. It goes both ways. It don't go one. You know what I mean? So I wish, you know, the ignorant travellers um, would understand that. You know what I mean? Because there was a bad experience. I don't know if you heard about it. Um, 2022 at Apple Bay, there was two um, trans travellers um, that went along to Apple Bay. Yeah. And they went there. They camped up beside... Um, now, no offence. It wasn't the um, gypsies. It was the travellers, which is my own people, which I was disgusted and I was ashamed to say I was a traveller after I got this phone call. And the phone call said to me, Martin, you know, you're the person that we need to come to with this, and um, something's happened to Applebet. Now, at this point, I'm in Applebet, just about to walk up to these trans girls. Yeah. But if I did, it wouldn't have went the way that it did go. And these, were, these are trans travellers? Yeah, trans, trans travellers. They're in a tent, uh, and what happened was... Um, Crazy. So yeah, the disgrace was on the parents of the travelling children um, who was at Applebet. Um, they went over and set the two trans girls on fire, burnt their tent, was shouting, you know, everything you could ever imagine to gay this, to gay that, you know, you shouldn't be dressed like this, you shouldn't be dressed, which was none of their business, you know what I mean? So to me, like, you know, not every traveller deserves respect, you know, if, if travellers are going to sort of, you know, live in the world and, and respect people like that, especially from my community, the LBGTQ, you know, the gay community, I'm thinking, you know what, you don't deserve respect either, you know, you've got to give it to get it, you know, you've got to earn respect, you know, mm -hmm. don't come for free, you know? And so just, just... 
everything you sort of went through growing up and all the depression and mm-hmm. all the way you were sort of chastised from the community. Yeah. It was almost set in stone that you were going to be someone that was going to be outspoken and fighting yeah. against discrimination. There's no one better. I had to worry because... A homosexual gypsy, obviously yep. the amount of discrimination that you've faced and yep. no one better for you to come out than yourself. Absolutely. And I know you've made a stand lots of times, obviously, yep. over the years. Yeah. I just have to stand strong for obviously every other gay gypsy and traveller out there, you know what I mean? Because they're going to go through what I've went through, you know what I mean? But if we sit there and all talk and maybe make it a bit more easier for them to come out and let their families understand, you know, that there's good and bad in every walk of life. You know so what I mean? Yes, no, you're someone, obviously, that other sort of gypsies, and anyone within the wider community, if they're sort of facing and worrying about what to do, they can reach out they to you. They can always reach out to me. Instagram, whatever Instagram. it might be. Yeah. And you can talk them through like, yep. what they might face. I'm sure yep. it's not as bad as what they think it's going to be. And obviously, when you came back, but see, what a lot of people don't know, I work with some you know, big organisations like Travellers Pride, Travellers Movement, and we do get emailed um, about the you know, death toll on travellers and gypsies. Um, and the death toll on Irish gay travellers and you know, English gypsy travellers who are gay, and the suicide, the suicide yeah. level is at 80%. And we're getting told every single week of two, of two children in the gypsy and travelling community that has took their own life. You know what I mean? And, and to me, that, that's, you know, no. That shouldn't happen, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no one should take their life, especially no. it makes it even worse. The younger people, the younger someone is, the more well, ahead of them, so it makes it even worse. Not that it's better or worse, but if someone obviously, someone young to do it, and they feel yeah. like they've got no options and stuff, their whole life's ahead of them, they just obviously feel like... Yeah, but the youngest I've dealt with is 12, who's committed suicide, 12. And this is in the last six months, in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. And a 16-year-old two, two weeks later, to take their own life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've spoke to the parents of them two children, and what they turned around and said was, they would have accepted their children. But, but the children didn't think this. They don't, which is the problem, because mm. the, the problem is being a boy. Yeah. There's so much pressure on you to yep. be a fighter. The just get, in the, get in the gyms, yep. get boxing, yep. Yep. and be a manly man. And mm. and it's um, and so it's the pressure, obviously, the expectation that you're saying. It's just Correct. so sad that these people aren't talking. Yep. Obviously, if you talk... We can solve a lot of problems. Yeah, if you talk, yeah, mm. everything would be solved. Absolutely. It's kind of. Mm. So, and obviously, um, I know it was, there was a couple of years ago, there was the whole Jimmy Carr thing where I thought it'd be made the <sighs> most disgusting. Yeah. You can't yeah. call it a joke. He made mm. the most disgusting remark. About I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I just don't understand like how a, a comedian like Jimmy Carr can be such so a big desperate. Problem. He's on such a big stage. Yeah, to come out with such a thing like he did, you know what I mean, about the Holocaust. Like, you know, this is our generation. We're the young generation of this generation today. And we don't want to hear about things like that. We don't want to be, you know, about our ancestors, you know, all getting smoked out and things like that. Who in the name of God wants to hear that? So when I seen it, I thought, you know what, Jimmy Carr, I'm going to give you a little bit of me. You know what I mean? So I found out where one of his shows was in Cambridge. I got up um, to the, on the phone to the people uh, I do um, my protesters with, um, which is Stand Up to Racism. And we come up with a plan to go to Jimmy Carr's show in Cambridge and really, you know, show him what we're about. And we're not going to stand and have racist comments chucked at our community and our people like that. No way. No, 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 no. The voice of the gypsies and travellers. One thing I would like to say, I would like to thank everybody, everybody that's here today to protest against racism to do with travellers. I thank you with all of my heart for taking part in being here, being here. I really do thank you for that. But we go back to Jimmy Carr. And Jimmy Carr, you need to know, you will not get away with your comments you made against the travelling community, the gypsy people of our community, the gays in our community, the Jewish people in our community, and the disabled people in our community. You will suffer and you will come out and apologise. Thank you. And the advice to anybody else who may be thinking about 
going out there and talking about who's our slant and who's, I'll come for you next. You know what I mean? I'll come for you next. Yeah, and quite rightly, it obviously went down horrifically for it him. Did. And did he ever apologise? Uh, no, he didn't, no. Did he apologise? <clears throat> but if I ever bump into Jimmy Carr, I bet you any money he'd apologise in 30 seconds. Yeah, it's crazy that he didn't apologise, mm. isn't it? Well, it, it was disgusting. At the end of the day, look, the way I look at it, yeah, being, you know, you know, a public figure like Jimmy Carr is, you know, a massive public figure, I just taught me on head, like, how can you not come out and apologise? You know you've deeply, you know, upset us, yeah. yeah? We're not happy about what you said. So I thought at that point, all Jimmy Carr needs to do to put, you know, the icing on this cake is just come out and say, I'm sorry to the people I have upset with what I said about the Holocaust. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that maybe would have, you know, solved things, but he didn't. So that means to me, it's an ongoing issue. It's not over with me and Jimmy Carr. Of course. You know? But um, going back slightly, so you know, um, during your, your childhood, did you yeah. finish your schooling, do much schooling or anything Never like really this? got any schooling, buddy, to be honest with you, because we were always on the roads, you know what I mean? We were always moving around, really very recently, sort of, you know, went into houses, you know, because obviously the new policing bill that came out, obviously, enforced in 2022, yeah, which were against the gypsy yeah. travellers, oh, sort of prosecutors, you know, not sort of stoppers from being who we yeah. have been for over 500 years, you know, sort of in this country. And so, so as a child, would you be working with your dad? I was working with his father, yeah. Mm, yeah. And so mm. just learning trades rather Yeah. Than, so it was more like block paving, buying and selling. That's what we found it on. You know what I mean? And, and things like that, yeah. And what were your um, aspirations? Like, what did you want to be when you were older, when you were a child? Or were you, was the, the hiding your homosexuality, was that the sort of thing you wanted to come out with? That was, that was my major problem, yeah. So I wasn't like thinking about what did I want to be when I got older. It was more of a concern of like, how am I going to get out of this situation? Do you know what I mean? Because I knew there was, you know, I was going to be attacked. You know, I had a broken eye socket, 20 stitches on my face, my legs, my arms, my ribs. And to me, it's just, you know, I just don't think it's fair. You know what I mean? 100%. You know? 100%. And so, so when you end up coming back at 16, you end up getting back within the community. Yeah. And that, what did you get up to then? Did you end up being back around your family 24 as you start working with them? Um, no, I was back around my family, yeah. For, and, yeah. and working with them, fully involved with, involved with yeah. the family. Still to today, yeah. And, um, Obviously, you've got a huge uh, wider family as well, Correct. and um, obviously within the gypsy community, traveling community, there's always lots of feuds going on yeah. between the families, and I've seen you, mm. I've watched you do loads of call-out videos over mm. the years, and they are hilarious. I, I love watching <laughs> traveling call-out videos, and I know they're a serious thing at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. done from that standpoint. Yeah. Mm. But they're brilliant to watch. Yeah, so. I just when I when I do my videos, what some people you know sort of don't understand, like they think in their own head, like is this man talking the truth? Everything I've said in my videos is one hundred percent the truth, and that's one thing I want to get out there. You know what I mean? All you're any good for, Tommy, is talking about dead people. Dead people is all you're good at talking about. But let me tell you one thing, Tommy Joyce, you're going to come out and fight my brother. You smelly old clappy dosser of a brother Ginty, those smelly dirty shitty tramp that was hiding from my father. 20 years ago in jail, you're coming out, Ginty, and you're not going home. And I promise you that, Ginty, my father's putting you straight to hospital. This is Martin Puff Daddy Ward. This video goes out to me mother's brother, Mick, uh, well known as Ball, because he's a bit inbred and a bit backward. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But let me tell you, Mick, your wife, Mag, was never done. She was with a Jamaican man before you got her. Your daughters was seeking my brothers before they got married. So I'd love to know where your scandal's coming from. But Mick, listen to me. You rung my phone and you called me a queer. I'm asking you now, Mick, to come to your brother Tommy's in Darford until I put the end to you. I don't give two fucks about you, little Ginty. You little fat, dirty, scummy, scurvy dosser. You asked my brothers out to fight. You said for me, 
to go and get one of my brothers to fight. Not a problem. Well, you know when my brother's out, so there's no better people. Michael's out in five months. You called his name out. When you get your baiting in five months' time, you can come back out then when our Tom's out and you can take another baiting from Tom. We don't so, in our community, they get very upset for the truth, but I'm one fella. You would have to put me down before I'd keep my opinion back. I would let it out no matter what. And nobody would stop me because no one scares me. You know? Yeah, and of course, that's quite clear, isn't it? Very clear. For yeah. all to see. Yeah. And um, so have any of the feuds ever got like, serious between the families and stuff like this? Um, yeah, yeah. Have, have you ever troubled yourself with the police and stuff like this? I've had lots of trouble, yeah. So, you know, I was it, we'll put it this way, going back to when uh, we were you know, moving on to 17, um, we were back in the house in Darford, and we got a phone call um, from down the road, one of my mother's sisters, and her daughter wanted to fight my mother's other sister, which was one of the youngest ones, Helen. She was a twin. Yeah, well, so, like, terrible with the women. Exactly. A niece wanted to fight an auntie. You don't mind the men sort of fighting, everyone likes men fighting, but it's bad when the women are shot fighting. Absolutely. Really yeah, so my mother was, I don't know how, one good woman, put it that way. There was <laughs> never a woman from north to south was ever any good to Winnie Martin slash Winnie Ward. Stop, never, ever, ever. Woman. My mother went out to men and she fought them and she won. When my father was in jail, she done what my father needed to do when he was there. Oh, well, sadly, he so was. She took the role. She right. took the role of the both of the mother and the father. And believe me, buddy, you would never feel safer with a woman like my mother, Winnie Martin slash Ward. No, 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 no. What a character! And listen, Winnie's my mother talks for herself. The world knows who who Winnie Martin is slash Ward. Who's married to Ruth Dudlow from Manchester? You know what I mean? Yeah. She had many of fights over the years. But we'll go back to Darford, and uh, we got a phone call anyway from the family to say. There's an argument going on in Bridge Road and Erif outside my auntie's. So we went down there anyway. But when we went down there, we actually thought in our own head it was only going to be girls and women. So when we got down there to my auntie's, my father got out, I got out, my mother got out. But my father discovered that one of my mother's brothers was hiding behind the door of the house and he was the whole setup of trying to get a niece to fight with an auntie. So my father now, very old school, went, no, 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 no. This is not how this goes. So there was no fighting with a niece or an auntie. My father went over and gave him a good beating. For ranging fights, you know, pumping fights with women. What sort of what sort of man is that? That's not oh, a man. That's, that's a coward. You know what I mean? Terrible. You don't do that. No. And then my father got out of here, he gave him a good bait. Very, very, very bad one over again. And he gave him what he deserved. The whole family said it. Of course. We drove off. We thought it was all solved. No, it wasn't. I was sitting at home. Knock, knock, knock. Came on the door from the Metropolitan Police. He said, um, Martin Francis Ward. I said, yeah. So that's me. He went, yeah. He said, you're under arrest. He said, attempted murder. So I looked and I went, arrested for attempted murder. I said, are you joking? He went, no, he said, I'm not joking, he said. He said, we've come from the Met, he said, you're coming in. He said, where's your dad? I said, my father's not here at the moment. But all these detectives, CIDs, I'm telling you, an army of them, come running through the door. He said, um, you might want to sit down, young man. I said, I don't need to sit down, buddy, he said. I haven't done anything wrong. He put me in the back of the van, brought me to Bexley Heath Police Station, interviewed me. Obviously, that interview was a no comment. Would never give them anything. And um, that was on the Friday. And then I heard on the Sunday, I was remanded on the Friday for court Monday. And um, my father... Got nicked on the Sunday, my father got brung in to the police station. And obviously, you know, I could hear my father, I knew it was my father, never knew what was going on at this point. You know, I was only 17 years of age, you know, in the name of God, like, you know, this is not how the community goes, we don't get each other arrested. That's not what we do. And um, anyway, father gets remanded, got told from the day off. So he said, You'll be facing court, he said, Monday morning, Monday morning came. Me and my father was on the sweatbox. And my father, the one word my father said to me, he said, My Martin, he said, Don't worry, he said, We'll be all right. So I said, All right then, Daddy. But we went up, obviously, in front of the judge. I couldn't believe the lies they made up. He said, we bet him with a hammer. We never bet him with a hammer. Father bet him with his hands. Them ward hands went straight through his eyes, punched his face and gave him what he needed. And he got that upset because he knew he couldn't do nothing to us. Because we wore someone and he was a no one. 
he thought got his nicked. And the lies he made up was absolutely unbelievable. So my father got remanded in jail. He went to Belmarsh, six months on remand. And I went to High Down, six months on remand. And then obviously, thank God, after that six months, the justice system of this country found out that what they got told wasn't the truth. So the charges collapsed and we were released from jail. And I went home back to Darker to my mother. And um, real quickly touching on, it's obviously a shame that you and your dad got separated, obviously. Yeah, it's you hard. Should, you should hard. have obviously not mm. been in there in the first place. Yeah. But what was it like for you being in the jail, obviously an openly gay man? Um, what did you face? Did you have any fights? No problems at all. Not one problem, no. Nobody knew it then, so I wasn't like sort of like, I was out to my community, but yeah, I wasn't out to right, the, the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. What, no gay traveller. Yeah, no, that. I never, the, to me that was, that was not something we needed to speak about in jail. You know, it was being in jail and, you know, getting to reception, got to reception, got fine in the hall. Well, everyone in here is, they're like myself, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of old travellers in here, there's a lot of gypsies in here. Yeah. All the boys are, you know, you know, geezers, whatever, we're going to get on, we're going to be fine. And I went obviously on to the wing, a um, few Jamaican young fellas come up to me and said, you're travelling boys. I said, yeah, a few Asian boys come up, we're very respectable young fellas. Um, from London, and I got on buddy like a house on fire in there. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I've seen some things go on in there. Of course. You know what I mean? Some very, very, very crazy things in jail. But no, I didn't have and any problems whatsoever. I stood my ground. That's my father always said. Don't go into jail, he said. He said. And if you not, if you if you mind your piece of cues and you're a polite person, you absolutely. don't get in debt, you're not on drugs and stuff no, like this, no. generally you won't have any problems in there. Not one problem. I did obviously notice there was a lot more people getting into problems and fights and people getting cut up and things like that. And, you know, the screws was the worst. I've got to be honest with you. There's no point lying. The screws was the worst. You know, I witnessed something one day that will, you know, I'll take to the grave with me when I was in there. It was about two weeks before I got out and there was this Scotch group on our wing. And I, I didn't trust him. I knew he was doing this one right. And there was a gang on our wing. And I, I was on the top floor. So there's three spurs, obviously. I'm on the top floor looking down on the bottom floor. And the wing facing us, there was a young half-caste boy, and every night he was banging on the door, shouting, you know, pigs, pigs, to the screws, you know, all abuse, whatever, whatever, whatever. But this next day, anyway, there's a boy in my cell who's finished his sentence, he's gone home. So I'm realising now, oh, somebody else is moving in, like, oh, God, who's it going to be? Is it going to be a nightmare? Is it going to be somebody we have to chuck out, or whatever, whatever, or swap with somebody else? But no. He looks down and sees these screw chant to this gang, anyway. We knew, obviously, this was the, the gang of the jail, you know what I mean? You know, I got on with them, I didn't have a problem with them. We knew when a problem come, these were the boys. They were always sorting it out. So anyway, yeah, not a problem. This screw walks off our wing, comes back with the fella off the other wing. You know, the fella's shouting on the door, banging on the door all night, pigs, pigs to the screws. He gets put in our cell. So when he walked through the door, I knew who he was. The screw told me he's the fellow who's shouting over there all night. So I thought, right. So when he came in the cell, I said, look, I'm the single bed. I said, you're the bottom bed. I said, my mate I said, it's on the top bed. I said, now I said, no problems in here. I said, you won't be banging that door. I said, and calling names to the screws. I said, you won't do that. I said, in my cell. I said, if you do, I'll put your brain into the wall. I said, you're going out of this cell. Not a problem. Right. Down he sits anywhere on the bed. But I had this bad feeling. I thought, something's going to happen here. I could just feel it. I had an urge come over me. So all I done, I was sitting on a single bed. I thought, you don't open your mouth when you're in jail. And I put my two legs up on the bed. And in come this gang of boys. But when I said they mortified this boy with pool balls in a sock, they put his brains out on the floor. But there was no screws on our wing now. So anyway, the boys turned around and walked out. I, I acted normally, he was in a puddle of blood before. I put up my iPad, playing, you know, the PlayStation on there. So the boy who I was banged up with, he had a PlayStation. He was, I don't know, he was a good character, I guess, in jail. Playing the PlayStation. And all of a sudden, here's this gate go off by the screw. So I thought, here he comes. But this time, he's coming onto the top floor. So he knew now the job's being done. And he comes anyway. All I could hear was whistling. As soon as he got to me door, but he honestly, I never said that. I looked at the door like that. He said, you all right, officer? He went, yeah. He went, oh, uh, can we have a chair for healthcare? And someone's fell over. Took him up, strapped to the chair. Straight healthcare, honest to God. It was just, it was mad to see how it was done. But look, if you went into jail and you respected everybody, 
You'd be fine. 100%. So like what you just touched on there, I've yep. witnessed it myself. Yep. It's not just the inmates you have to be polite to. It's There's certain officers that if you say the wrong thing to, and I've seen People it. People set you up. And someone in yep. who I ended up in and so if he was getting favours off the screws, yep. he was going to do favours for them. Anyone mm. was rude to them, they'd be opening the door and chucking this fella in during the night. Absolutely. That's the way it is, isn't it? Horrific. So anyone who has a good job, hopefully you never go. Take hopefully, that to yeah. Be, well, be just be careful. And remember, respect will get you a long way in jail. A yeah, long way. Indeed. And so like when you were in it as well, you must have been shitting yourself about the, no, the no. About, about the potential sentence you could have got. Um, yeah, that bit did worry murder. Yeah, fucking hell. Mm. Like, and obviously you hadn't been involved, you must be more worried for your dad as such what yeah. would have happened. Yeah. And obviously where the guy lied so much about hammers mm. all this obviously the case. And I thought he was going to be believed. You know what I mean? Because in any court you know, as soon as a traveller goes into court, the judge has already made up his mind before he even reads the case. You are guilty. No matter what, you are guilty. And if you've seen it with them judges was looking at us in court, now I was innocent. You know what I mean? I wasn't convicted of this. But he looked at me in a disgraceful disgust and he said to me, that judge in, in Bexley Heath Magistrates, he said, the only place he said, he said, you're going, he said, and you do belong, he said, is prison. Yeah. And I'm thinking, hold on here. I've never done nothing. Yeah. How can you sit there and say that? You know what I mean? But he did. You know what I mean? And you obviously guys took it to trial and it collapsed. I never even got as far as trial. Just before trial, we were four weeks from trial and the crown prosecution dropped us. Because he was a uh, unreliable... Unreliable, unreliable witness. witness. Witness, yeah. yeah. So yeah. thank the Lord, obviously, we yeah. got out. We got and out. Uh, another thing that we haven't touched on yet is um, the name Puff Daddy. Oh, and I shout out to yourself, because <laughs> it's all about when you face such shit. It's all about embracing it. Yeah. No one can't say nothing to me. This yeah. is I am. Yeah. What I would like our community to know, with all the hate and all the abuse I got over the years, look what you made. I'm sitting here today, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you've made me, with all the abuse, all the names, all the name calling, this is how I've turned out today. Well, there's a saying, tough times creates tough men. Absolutely. And yep. obviously you're the result of that. And so how did you uh, choose the name Puff Daddy? Where did it come You really, from? really, really want to know. Yeah, go on. Right, so I was out for my 21st birthday. I was out in Maidstone with a few friends from Maidstone, you know, all around Kent and stuff. There was about 20 of us went out for my birthday and you were out clubbing. And um, that song came on everywhere I go. They said Woof Daddy. So anyway, this song was playing and all I could hear on the dance floor was Puff Daddy. And I thought, me own head, I have to correct this. This is not how the song goes. It's Woof Daddy. So I walked up and said, boys, said, it's not Puff Daddy. It's Woof Daddy. But they kept saying Puff Daddy. So I sat down and thought, do you know what? Martin, Puff Daddy Ward, that goes. And the boys went, that's your new name. And that name from that song stuck. And it's been there for the last, what, six years, seven years, you know? But you it's, it's, it's a name. I'm the rap game or something. <clears throat> yeah, well, why not? But give it a go, yeah. Mm. And so then obviously, like leading up to your, uh, obviously you got out from jail. Yeah. Uh, then, and so obviously got back into the normal life, back to work. Yeah. Obviously norm normality and that. Um, have you ever had any other like big uh, brushes with the law or anything like this? Have you been back to jail since then or was that your only time in jail? Then? I've been dragged in for a few things. Abduction, kidnapped by a knife pint. But again, I was innocent to that. I didn't do it. You know what I mean? And so you've always been found innocent of yeah. Yeah. everything, no yeah. convictions. And um, thank the Lord. Look, thank the Lord, yeah. I must be doing something right. And so, yeah, of course. And so what do you do for, for work then, uh, Martin? What do you do? do you I work with family, yeah, buying and selling, yeah. Buying and selling, so yep. what sort of stuff? Anything? Yards, houses, cars, vans, trailers, anything we can buy, we'll make a pound on it, we're happy. Yeah, like um, sort of Alfie Best, who yeah. I before, that's, yeah. what, that's what he says he does. His whole, yeah. the crux of his business yeah. is distress acquisition. Absolutely. You need to sell something quick today, yeah. and you're willing to take a little discount on it, I'll come and buy it today. Absolutely, and that's the way it is. It's the same, obviously, within his culture being a gypsy buy, and the same within our culture being a travel buy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so obviously you're a 
Irish traveller, and so you wouldn't refer to yourself as a gypsy then, as like, no. obviously you are an Irish traveller. I would, repro- I would, you would know. You, do you, uh, you, don't, you, you wouldn't be offended if someone called you a gypsy, is that offensive Not to you? really, no, 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 because at the end of the day, the way I look at it, you know, like, there is a little bit of difference of like, how a gypsy is to a traveller, but to me I see it as the same, there's, there's no difference with a gypsy or a traveller. Definitely, very similar, and yeah. so, what are the main differences? Are the Irish um, travellers more religious in terms yeah. of Catholic? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most gypsies, I believe, don't have, um, like, they're not um, Catholics. Yeah, um, well, a lot of, all the Irish travellers are Yeah, are Catholics. Irish, we're all Catholics, Catholics yeah. And so that must have made it even worse for you. Yeah. Having to come out, if you not to say you wouldn't have been, you would have had lots of trouble as well if you had yeah. been from a Roman gypsy family. But the fact is that they're... Irish travellers are so strongly religious, yeah. and I'm sure your parents were yeah. God-fearing people. Absolutely. And that's what makes it obviously so much, mm. made it so much harder for you. Harder for me, yeah. Mm. But all I needed to do, and everyone told me, you know what I mean, my friends back then was my family, you know what I mean, which was the, you know, the normal culture of life, which were non-gypsy, non-trappers. And I really take my hat off when it comes to the English people in England, because they were the ones who supported me, they were the ones who kept me safe, you know what I mean, and made sure I was all right, and you know, they said, you can always come back here, you can live here, and you know, take the house over like it's your own, you know what I mean, and it was just, it was so hard, you know what I mean, I just thought, how can people like this help me? And my own mom, you know what I mean? It's so hard being young and trying to understand it all, but thank God I had good people around me, you know what I mean? And But I did, I tried taking my life, you know, three times. Well, overdoses, yeah. I did, yeah, I did. Because I felt that, you know, when I was a child, I felt like they're winning, you know, I have to do this. Because there was family um, who used to message me on, on social media, which was Facebook at the time, and say like, you know, we hope you die, you know what I mean? We would have preferred you to come home and say you had cancer and three months to live and say you were going to be gay and live forever. So I, I really knew from a young age what I was up against. You know what I mean? And so much hate on Facebook, you know, getting called, you get this, you get that, you get this. And, you know, it just eventually made me stronger. You know what I mean? And I thought, you know what, you're not going to knock me. It's going to take more than you in your community to knock me. Yeah, like I said, it's given you um, such thick skin now. Absolutely, and now yeah. You're obviously mm-hmm. making a stand if you've got Absolutely, like, so yeah. those tough times. Mm-hmm. Great, tough times. If someone comes to me now, and, and, and says to me, you know, you get this, you get that. He's got to expect to blow or something. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and say what, but he's got to blow or something, and he never, he never look out through them two eyes again. Yeah. If anyone was to come in front of me today and insult me and call me a gay this or a gay that, yeah, I wouldn't stand nowhere. No. And um, I know your your family, uh, your cousins is uh, Paddy Doughty, one of your Doughty, yeah, he's related. Cousins. Shane Ward of an X Factor in 2005. You know, like Dougie Joyce, yeah, you know, he's my family. His mother's well. my auntie. So, yeah. and, and everyone, obviously, this time everyone's got more than you. Do you ain't going nowhere? So everyone's now fully accepting and embracing of yes. you and yeah. your sexuality. Yeah. Um, but what about um, obviously? Do you live on this site still with your parents and around with the rest of the family and stuff like this? No, no. So you live separately from them. We come away from our family, buddy, quite a few years ago because we realised in our family we couldn't trust the people that were around. You know what I mean? So obviously, going back to um, 2019, um, we were staying in a site in Manchester. Um, with the family, um, cousins of my father's, and um, there was other wards there, um, which was Malbellion wards. There were different wards the husband wasn't related to us. They were from the Bogs of Ireland, and we were from the Bogs of Manchester. So obviously, we didn't really, you know, see eye to eye with these people. We just we knew we weren't going to get on with them. But Danzig Street was our home, and nobody was going to come in there and take over. We wasn't going to let them. So New Year's Eve. Um, so, so where was, like, like you said, that you weren't going to let them come in and take over? So there was literally, there was friction from the start. It wasn't yeah. a case of, okay, look, brilliant, some more of our yeah. family are going to come down. You didn't want any part of your family to do it. Yeah. Mm. So basically how it went was New Year's Eve, um, uh, we had a drink in 2019 with these people, uh, which was Wards, uh, my father, uh, my brother Tom, 
Me at Ronnie and me. Where did you say this was down south? Yeah, Manchester, yeah. Oh, oh North, Manchester. Yeah. And um, we're in the site anyway, 2019, um, and my father was drinking with a fellow called Monkey, Michael Marbellion. And um, I showed the man how to respect, went to the shop, you know, bought the man drink, bought him whatever he wanted, the same as my father. He was getting drunk with my father. And then New Year's Day come, the next day. And we all went up into a pub um, in our parade in Manchester, rough out area. Monkey walked in, Daddy walked in, I walked in, our Tom walked in, Ronnie walked in. Sits down, gets a drink, and um, we got a phone call from the site, from one of Daddy's cousins, one of the Joyce's. No good scum. And he turned around and said to us, he said, can you come down? He said, and pick me up, he said. He said, I'd like to have a drink with your father. Oh, no. I knew something was wrong with this phone call. I thought your wife's got a car. Why won't she drop you? It's only two miles away from the site. <clears throat> we walked out to the car. We said, yeah, we'll come and get you. But we knew something was, was set up here. So I thought, I'm not leaving my father in, in, that, in that pub on his own with, with him. Nah. So me, Ronnie, and Tom walks outside, gets into our Tom's car, sitting there. Our Tom went to drive up, said, don't move. Our Tom said, why? I said, don't move. Our Tom sits there anywhere, 15 minutes goes by. I said, now move. But we got about a mile from the pub. My father rung me, get back, get back, get back. He tried hitting me, he tried hitting me. We were, oh, the anger that come through our body, I'm telling you, man, I was pumping. My body was on fire when I got back to the pub. And we walked into the pub. All of a sudden, our Tom just went, shlap, knocked him sparkling out in the middle of the floor. This all happened because we couldn't get him cocaine. He was addicted to cocaine. And because we couldn't get him cocaine, exactly my father, it was a 54-year-old man, where can I get cocaine? He was a man at 35 years of age, a big, big giant of a man, you know what I mean? Our Tom come in here and put him out. Landlord got put out. Few people in the pub got put out. But anyway, so I, talk, I said to Michael Ward, Michael, known as Monkey, I, talk, I said to him, I said, listen, I said, do yourself a favour, I said, we're no fools here, I said, keep your mouth buttoned, I said, walk away, I said, while you can. But he wouldn't listen to me. I said, fine. I said, what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, Ronnie picks up a lock and chain. I said, put his brains out of it. We struck him a good few times anyway, fell on the floor, we put his brains out, slurred from here all the way over there. Blood was squirting everywhere, all over, all over the road. Blood was squirting. I said, now I said, you got what you wanted. But how did he come in here? We got back over, he was all blood. Slap, hit him again. Our Tom got in the car, but he barely got up again and our Tom struck him. About 60 mile an hour, we struck him with the car and he went flying into the air, slap off the ground. So now don't forget, we've got to go back to the site where all their family is. It's New Year's Day, all their family's down visiting. The only ones that's on the site with our family is my brother Tom, who's 17. My father and me and a 16-year-old, Ronnie. So anyway, I said to Daddy, I said, you're not going back in that site, I said, no, wrong. Daddy went, you know, my father, my father was top round school outfighter, a good old source in life. Oh, Daddy said, we're going in there. Nobody will stop me, he said, going into that site. I said, Daddy, do you know what I said? Go for it. But anyway, we drive into the site anyway. Now, we're raging. This, we, I'm thinking of me anyway. He's dead up there. He's not alive up there, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden, walks into the trailer anyway. I said to Daddy, get all these mortars turned around. So Daddy had a Nissan pickup Jeep. New one. I said, turn it around, Daddy. I said, leave her started. So our Tom had an Audi. Turn it around. I said, leave her started. I had a Golf. Turn around. I said, leave her started. I said, something's going to happen in a minute. I said, I can feel it. But his wife anyway come from the plot next door and she went, Martin, she said, where's my husband? I said, let me tell you one thing. I said, you dirty mongrel. I said, you think I said, we didn't know. I said, this was all a setup. I said, and our own cousins, I said, was behind it all. I said, we know now. I said, people like us, I said, are too clever. I said, for dirt shit and scum. I said, like yous. I said, but let me tell you one thing. I said, Go up to our parade, I said, you know, the pub in our parade, I said, will you drink? I said, I think he's dead outside the door, I said. I said, no, I hope he is. So anyway, 30 men. In the meantime of her standing there, she walks away, and within 10 seconds, 30 men come running to the front of our plot with slash hoops, machetes, whatever you could dream of, ballys on the whole lot to attack us. 
So this is what we done. I said to our Tom, get in the Audi. I said, run them all over. I said, man, woman, and child. I said, flatten them all. So when we drove out of the plot, I went left. Ronnie hid under the Jeep. Ronnie was, I reckon it was like a real game of GTA. All you could see was people flying in the air. I went left, wiped the whole site out that way. Our Tom went right, wiped all out. But our Tom struck Martin Ward. Slap. But this man, now Martin Ward, was squashed between his Audi and the back of a transit pickup. But the bar on the back of the body went through his chest and out through his back. And that leg was up here on his back somewhere. Oh. So anyway, Tom jumped out of the car. I've done a, you know what, buddy, I was in a golf. I swear to God, I drifted above his sight. No joke, I could, see, I could see 20 of them in front of me. Do, 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 all of them. I thought, please God, make this car do a 360 when I pull this handbrake. Because I thought, if they don't, I'm fucked. Oh, put the handbrake, this car went. Do, 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 do. Diagonal, back for the way. Straight into first, the windy start coming in a bit. Buddy, I start, what, a load of women and everything in front of me. Just a whole lot, back out the gate. So I taught me on him, right, I've got to give it a couple of seconds. Where's the boys? The boys must have jumped over. They're all wiped out. There's nobody left in sight. And then I'm watching me family, that's supposed to be family, getting in a taxi while this is happening, doing a runner off the site. So they really showed the true colours. We knew straight away it was a setup. So I went back outside the gate. Ronnie jumps over the wall. Tom jumps over the wall. And I'm thinking, we need to get out of here before the police comes. You know what I mean? We need to get out of here. But my father, anyway, he's still in there. I thought, fuck. Back over the wall. Back into the plot. But anyway, Ronnie's run out. He's in a young little Ronnie. And a fella tried swinging, the last two was left, tried swinging a machete for Ronnie, but daddy grabbed Ronnie, pulled Ronnie back, and daddy had a machete, and he went, slap! But he stuck the machete here in the fella's head. The fella got brought to hospital with the machete hanging out of his head. His dad is all belonging to me. And we give them what they wanted. Fuck and we're the better men. We are. We proved it. And I always tell them all in Manchester, when I done my videos, we'll see at the end who's the last one standing. There's never a man in Manchester who was ever as good as me and my brothers or my father. Never, ever, ever. And there never will be. And your family's still there? That's My like... family is still there, yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Fuck We're yeah. not going for nobody, no. And so, obviously, for yourself, obviously, with the Gypsy Traveller men, there's a lot of macho, I'm the man of fighting man. Are you, yep. are you a fighting man? I wouldn't class myself as a fighting man, but so you know, far from fighting man. Would it, I would always to. prefer a friend than an enemy. You know what I mean? But if it comes to it, I'm, I'm not scared to pull something out and use it. Definitely not. I've done it many times, and I'll do it. And have you had, um, what about like, fair fights and that? Do people like uh, try and say there's a problem between you and your family and another like, part of the family, but they try and... Not really, but because your brothers we're and... one family that are sort of left alone in this culture because people know we're not fools. If you, if you piss us off, it happened recently, you know what I mean? One of my brothers went out and shot my uncle and shot his son. That's what we will do to you. If you deserve a fair fight, we'll give you a fair fight. But most of them don't deserve a fair fight. You know what I mean? Because they're always talking about children or talking about women. And to us, as men, that's it. You've crossed the line now when you're going to speak about that. You know what I mean? So if you're telling some truths, that's fine. But not when you have an argument with a man, you shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I believe in that. So if you're having a problem with men, you shouldn't be involved with the women and the children no, and all no, this sort of stuff. It should be no, stuck between no. the men. It should be settled between the men. And Absolutely. There shouldn't be yeah. any going to the If opponent. it's tip for tap both sides, it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if a man wants to come out to a man and fight, and then you're automatically going to switch... You know, to the girls and the women. Yeah, you know, then, but obviously once someone's taken it to that level, you expect that, but yeah. it shouldn't be taken to that sort of level, and no one should bother for it. It shouldn't get that serious. People should settle it the old school, old Absolutely. Fashion. But, buddy, I think the old school way of travellers and gypsies has gone out the window. You know what I mean? Too much weapons these days. Too much weapons these days. You know what I mean? It's all guns, machetes, running overs, stabbings. You know what I mean? It's very different, so... I'd love for it to stay the way it was. And the site's smashed up and that Yeah, and, and, and you know what? what That's one thing I've got to make clear. You know, it's only a scumbag who break up people's stuff. You know, there's, from any traveller on this earth, I know a lot of them are doing it, but every traveller knows on this earth, the lowest thing you can do is break a man's things. 
know what I mean? You've got to be jealous. What's his thing's got to do with it? Yeah, so regardless of your problems or something, you're going to settle it with the man himself. You're going to go and destroy the whole family, Mm. sorry, all that. But in our community, especially with my family, it draws down to jealousy. Because obviously with the men and that, men can deal with problems stuff like this, and obviously the other women do get caught up in these family feuds all the time, Mm. and they're like the proper victims and that, like when they're sat there, the the men aren't there, the side of them aren't there, doing whatever they're doing, working and that, and then people coming in, and that's how you do, I do feel for the women involved involved Mm. in it all. I do, yeah. But putting that aside, back to positive stuff, obviously, like I say, you've done lots of work with charities over have, the years. Yeah. And I've done it all for free as well, you know what I mean? I've tried, I help anybody out, buddy, anybody at all, you know what I mean? If I feel like you're respecting me and you want something from me that maybe you could go out there and help other people as well as us, I'm more than happy. Yeah, and so like you say, you're not even, it's not even just against um, the discrimination against gypsies, you're against racism, discrimination, Absolutely. Tr- no, no, no. Stop. Yeah, completely. So it's not just to do with my community. So yeah. I do a lot of protests with Black Lives Matter as well. Do you know what I mean? As well as travellers, gypsies, yeah, so and all protests the gay community there. and the trans community. And yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we so all stand together, united on this planet. You know what I mean? Of course, we're so, all one. And so you know, uh, do you like publicize all this through your name, YouTube, your Instagram? So you, if anyone wants yeah. to sort of follow you, see where the next protest absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Come along to stuff. All on Instagram. Yeah. And. Um, Obviously, it's unbelievable last year you've ended up in Glastonbury, on the stage in Glastonbury. Like, how did you end up on the stage in Glastonbury? What? Well, buddy, do you know what? Being Martin Puff Daddy Ward, who wouldn't want you around? Come on, you know what I mean? So I spoke to a few people, spoke to an amazing man. And it must have been some powerful people. Yeah, so one of the high-up guys, he owned a massive part of Glastonbury Festival, and his name was Sam. A legend of a man he was. Great man. And then, obviously, he, you know, we made contact, me and him, you know, got talking and whatever. And he said, look, Martin, he said, I'd love you to come along, you know, I'll pay you, you know, whatever, do whatever, like, to come along, it'd be lovely to have you here. And when I went to everybody, I've got to be honest with you, for myself as well, it was a, a spectacular event, you know what I mean? It but was obviously, amazing. you're someone that's, um, I can tell, super confident all the time. You must yeah. be shitting yourself going on that stage. No, no. You weren't shitting yourself? Not at all, no, no, no. I just felt like I was standing in front of five people. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> there was... 150,000, the me as an the community from being truly Does that make any sense? And I would like to let you all know the suicide level in the trauma and gypsy community against gay, and gay gypsies is actually 70 to 80%. And what? I told when I went out, I was going to be hated. You might not have been nervous going on, but you know when you got the reception you did, it must send like. Must, the feeling must have been unbelievable. The feeling was good, yeah. Must have blown it off the stage yeah. in terms of... I felt like I've got them on my side, you know what I mean? Like, the people, you know what I mean? That's what we need, don't we? You know what I mean? We want the people to hear you, for one, and then think, like, you know, I really hope, you know... And so do you think in Britain at the moment there's a lot more acceptance of the homosexual, LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community and all this sort of I stuff? I do. But stuff like this is going on, you're going on and you get cheered in front of yeah. hundreds of thousands of people, mm. and... It's, things have got to be changed, haven't they? Surely? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know about like other cultures. In other cultures, it seems to be easy, but obviously within the Traveller and Gypsy, it's just still a no-go area. But I think what I'm done, I'll knock all them barriers. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Of course. It's got to be somebody to do it the right way, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I think I can do that, yeah.
And so, like you say, it's not just racism and discrimination. There's obviously the government oppression, obviously, that, yeah. that's going on. And mm. so, in 2022, there was a bill that you build legislation got passed. Yeah, which and I was this was, with. this was um, against travellers actually moving around in the nomadic ways that they've been doing for centuries. Yeah. You're not allowed to move around and set up certain, but even temporarily, and you can get in. Two and a half grand fines or worse, can't you? Three um, months in prison, two and a half thousand pound fine, children took into care, animals took, and vans to be impounded. Crazy. Inhumane. You know, stripping all travellers and gypsies of their human rights. That's basically what they're doing. And so, the problem is, it's just, when these laws are getting passed, we don't know what's going on. We're not, I don't, I'm not involved, I don't look at all the politics and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but people need to be more aware when these laws are getting passed because they have yeah. a massive effect. Absolutely. And has yeah. there been any sort of fight back against this sort of um, bill? Or yeah, we've done lots of protests you know, surrounding it. Um, uh, I think they did change a little bit of the policing bill um, to try and think like it didn't sound as bad, but to me they didn't change anything. You know what I mean? And I think, uh, yet again, we still need a good Prime Minister that's going to scrap that law against people like us. You know what I mean? We've been roaming these roads for 500 years. Our ancestors fighting in the war man for this country. We don't deserve a law like that put against us, you know what I mean? And if you are going to put a law like that against us, build more transit sites, you know what I mean? Build places for travellers to go, and then they don't have to move on to people's land. You know what I mean? But they didn't, they done it back to front. What they done was put the law out before the sites, you know what I mean? So my arguments led to, we've raised in Kent now, the council, the government's give a budget, because of all this arguing, 2.8 million to refurb all the travel sites in Kent, and hopefully build one more, you know what I mean? So we're getting somewhere. And the thing is, if you don't fight, none of this stuff's going to happen. Absolutely, so yeah. We need travellers and gypsies now to come out and stand up. You know yeah, what I mean? Of course. But they're never going to know what it's going to be like for people like us in another 10 years in this country. Well, if you don't stand up and fight, there'll be none. They'll do away with us. That's what they'll do. And so, what do you think? They're actually against the old traveller, gypsy yeah. ways of life? They're trying to food. force us all into houses. You know what I mean? And, buddy, I've got to be honest with you, it's not easy to live in a house. You know what I mean? And what, what you have when you're living in a house, the neighbours are petrified next door. They're thinking, oh my God, there's travellers next door. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then if an argument kicks off, you know what I mean? Like, say, with us and a rival family, all the people on the streets terrified. You know what I mean? So the government's got to realise that's not where we belong. We belong on a site. You know what I mean? We belong on the roads. We, 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 a house to us or a flat is like jail. You know what I mean? It's a no-go area for us. So you're still on the site, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, and still on the site. Uh, and obviously we do have a house, but to me, we still roam around and we still travel. Because to me, that, that bill doesn't that exist. Yeah, that bill, I'd wipe my arse with that bill. I would never listen to that bill. You know what I mean? Never, ever, ever. To me, we are going to stay who we are. We're not going to stop. You know what I mean? Fuck Parliament. Who gives a shit what, what he said? You know what I mean? Pretty Patel. If I was there now, I'd, I'd chuck her through the fire exit. The one who laid this law out. You know what I mean? It's wrong in every way. She's a terrible person. Oh, she's a disgusting individual. She's from, obviously, I'm not trying to presume, but I'm guessing she's from immigrant families. She is, yeah. She was a refugee. And so the fact that she's fucking so yep. discriminatory. Well, she's against her own people as well. Her That's own community. What I'm trying to say. It's, it's shocking. Absolutely outrageous. Yep. The problem is she's been taken into this elite, wherever it is. Absolutely. But she seems like she actually... Enjoy it. She seems yeah. like a horrible person. She is. Well, I'll tell you what I'd love to know about Pretty Patel. And when we done a big protest against this law first before Glastonbury in London, I actually tried finding her home address because I did find out she lives in Essex and I tried finding her home address. And if I had to find her home address, I would have done the biggest protest she would have ever seen in her life outside her door to let her know how it feels, what's getting done to us. You know what I mean? How could you pass a law? to drag children away from their mothers and their fathers, bang innocent women and people up because they've got nowhere to live and put them in jail, and pound, impound all their vans and trailers and take away all their animals. Yeah, no, How can anybody agree with that and say that's not an inhumane law against gypsy and travellers? It is. 
Absolutely. And when I'm done, I don't believe there will be a lot anymore. Of course. And so like you said, there's obviously people that uh, can sometimes pretend to be helping. Yeah. They're, they're really doing it for their own gain. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a lot of people who are claiming at the moment because travellers are coming to the spotlight, obviously, um, with like how many boxers is out there, for instance, like, you know, like Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah. Like shining the, an the, amazing light. Brilliant. Yeah, on our community. And it's completely you know what I mean? changed. Yeah. In um, my lifetime, when I was a kid, to when obviously there was, oh no, yeah. the gypsies travellers moved in town, oh, be careful. Yeah. But no, there's nothing like that because obviously where there's been so much exposure of Absolutely. gypsies in a great light and travellers in a great light that obviously, thank God, the perception has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to um, so talk about, like I said, the people who are trying to jump on this bandwagon and that they're not really for. Hmm. So what about, um, is it Jake Bowers? Well, so basically, as you know, in Kent, yeah. We, has a, we have a massive majority of wannabes, which are, to me, a diddy kite. You know what I mean? They're not a gypsy, they're not a traveller, but they claim to be a gypsy and claim to be a traveller. Now, to me, that's just an insult and a disgrace towards a traveller like me. So if I walk into a nightclub and I see somebody who's trying to act like one of us, straight away I'm, I'm, I'm offended. I'm upset. I'm thinking, who do you think you are? And then you walk up to these people, for instance, mother die, chicken eyebrow, mother's left reebok. And I'm thinking in my own head, if you've got a chicken mate with an eyebrow, that's a funny looking chicken with an eyebrow, you know what I mean? So these people are just backward. But there was one I met recently who um, is a con to this community and is going to be shut down um, very shortly. And his name is Jake Bowers. He's from Hastings. Um, he's built a house um, behind his uh, mother-in-law's house in Hastings out of the funds he's been getting give to support gypsies and travellers. But he's not supporting gypsies and travellers. He's pocketing the money. And his colleague is Sherry Smith from London. Uh, and their charity is Drive to Survive. Um, so so a, bit, a bit like this Black Lives Matter thing. Yes. Black Lives yeah. Matter thing is a mm. fantastic movement, yeah. but the people behind it, it's some of them are good. trying to profit from these yes. things. So Jake Bauer has done a programme recently, 60 Days with the Gypsies. Now, this was when I first seen Jake, yeah. for instance. He's a nobody. He claims to be a reporter. He claims to be this and he claims to be that. The guy is an absolute nobody. He claims to be a gypsy. Well, his mother had a leg over from a gypsy man and he was rung into the world. To me, fi fine if, if other people agree that he should be claiming to a gypsy, to me he's not a gypsy and he's not a traveller, he doesn't know anything about it. I've met Jake, to me he doesn't even come across like a gypsy or a traveller in any way. Is he you know raised I mean? on a site or anything like this? No, no, not raised on any site, no. He's raised in a house. Raised um, well and away from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like I said, he's, it's, it's terrible when people masquerade to yeah. do good. Yeah. And they're not, like I said, yeah. these people need to be exposed. I well, I, I did put it to him recently, and I turned around and said to him, I said, I want to see proof said, of what you're doing with this money. And the re reaction I got was absolutely shocked. And Jake said, if you call my phone again, he said, I'm going to call the police. No. So I said, you're going to call the police? I said, for what? He said, I'm working with somebody, he said, that I don't trust. I said, and I'm asking you questions. He said, it's irrelevant from the police. It's got nothing to do with the police. I said, but if you want to call the police, he said, I'll turn up to your house. He said, in Hastings, he said, we're 50 men. Yeah. I said, no, I'll give you an excuse to call the fucking police. Yeah. I said, I'll put your lights out while I'm at it. I said, I don't care. I said, I said to him, don't fuck with me, Jake. That's what I'm telling you, I said. You'll never deal with me. And I contacted his colleague, Sherry Smith. Oh. I said, Jake hasn't got the sense to set up the brains to talk to me. I said, do you want to be the one talking to me? And her reply to me was, you dirty Irish pikey bastard. Don't ring my phone again. So I thought my own, hold on for a second. You've really outproven it all now. You and Jake is standing up for gypsies sure and travellers, but you're being racist to a traveller. Yeah, it does not make any sense, do you know what I mean? So basically, that's how it went down with Jake and Sherry Smith. But I'm not finished with Jake. There's a lot more to come for him and Sherry. But, but people, don't tarnish all these charities and stuff like this mm. with the same brush. These are one out of 
few that were Absolutely, not yeah. over and 90% of these charity people, the people out there trying to do good for the gypsy and traveller community, of but course. then obviously you have the odd one yeah, that odd are ones. not. You know what I mean? And so like I said, we know you've done lots of work with charities over the years. Would you ever like to set up your own charity at a certain point? Or um, are you just happy to work with other ones then? No, I, I, funny enough, it's, it's, it's a good question you brought up. Um, I've been speaking to recently about um, doing a dance-off to a song called Jerusalem for Demelza, which is a child cancer charity right. across Sussex, London and Kent. Right. So yeah, I do try and do my you know my utmost for charities and visit the cancer ward every year and just give them out ties or whatever you know what I mean. I know it's not much, but you know every, everything else. Yeah, but you know it really upsets me more though, buddy. You know what I mean? I'm not special, but to all the rich and the famous people out there, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself. When I go to that cancer ward every year, buddy, the first day I walked in that cancer ward, it broke my heart and bits. Fifty children with cancer. And only one telly in a PlayStation in a big security box. Now, the toys they were playing with. Oh, faded toys that was donated from a back garden of a house oh, that was left there for 10 years. And I thought, you know what? To all the VIP people in the, on this planet, you should be a fucking shame to yourself. What good is the millions? You can't take it with you. Tyson Fury makes a very good point of this. Can't take the money with you. Go and leave legacy. Go and help people and give that money to people that really need it. Because they don't need it in their bank. What are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? Help people that really need help. Because if I had two million or five million today, I know what I, 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 the first thing I do wouldn't be buying a house, buying a car, buying a, you know, a yacht. It'd be going straight to the NHS and refurbing all them cancer wards. Because, you know, I'm a gay man, you know. It's not, it's not easy to have children being a gay man, you know. And that, that's, that's what sort of outfeeds me on children, you know what I mean. I look at them children like my own children. You know what I mean? Don't matter, they're not gypsies, they're not travellers. Of course. It doesn't matter. Children, children are children. Children innocent. Yes. Never suffer. No, they? definitely not. But no. Um, yeah, they're massive shout out to yourself for bringing light to that sort of stuff. And so talk to me about your sort of plans moving forward, obviously the rest of 2023. I know you've got a documentary. Yeah, so I'm working with a big um, uh, documentary um, thing at the moment, so about obviously my story, my life. So. And when are you hoping to have that at the end of this year? Or um, no, probably maybe next year. Um, so, so we're not. a real in-depth one. A really in-depth one from you know day one to the finish, obviously. You know? And um, what about your plans then for the rest of the year? Sort of? I'm getting pumped up for Glastonbury, going back to Glastonbury. So you're getting back there? Yeah, yeah, we're going back, yeah. Oh my God, I'd love yeah. to come along. Honestly, uh, well, come along, you know what I mean? Who's saying you can't, you know yeah, what I mean? No. Everybody's welcome when I'm there, you know what I mean? I don't care who you bring along with you. And so you're just going to be, keep spreading the message. Yeah, keep the awareness out there, as yeah. As loud as you can. Yeah, and we've got to keep going and going and going. Never stop now. This is, this is a job for life, you know what I mean? And so like I said, anyone who wants to follow you, support you, get yep. in touch with you, the best places to find you are on the Instagram. Instagram, yeah. And any other social media? You're on TikTok or anything I'm like on this? TikTok, yeah. Martin Puff Daddy Ward, yeah. Facebook? Instagram, TikTok, uh, no, not Facebook. Okay, yeah. so they're, yeah. them two are the best ones to get yeah. in touch with you. And is there anyone you'd like to shout out today, Martin? Any family, friends, or anyone near and dear to you? Big you... shout out to my older brother, Reggie. Um, no legend, you know. Um, and a big shout out to my uh, mother and father. And a big shout out to my um, little sister, Shakira, yeah. Well, I'd like to say a massive thank you for the opportunity. Like I said, I've been on your case for a long time to do yeah. this interview, and um, I'm sure it's going to go down really well. And I want to do some more stuff going forward. So next Absolutely, time buddy. would be perfect to sort of Glastonbury in the summer. Yeah, and I'd like yeah. To come along to that. Please do. And yeah. so you're going to be back on the stage there again? Like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I have to take the stage again, yeah. I've got some more awareness I've got to put out there, yeah. So why that's, not? That's what it's all about. So like it's I said, it's not about, in 2023, guys, it's not about discrimination. Yeah discriminate anyone on their set, their race, their, yeah. their creed. It's about supporting and helping one another, you know it's what I mean? It's about acceptance, and, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter who you are, you know what I mean? From whatever walk of life, you know what I mean? Gay, Chinese, black, traveller, gypsy, we're all the same, we're all human. If we cut ourselves, we all bleed the same, you know what I mean? It's just racism is one thing I've dealt with from a child to now, and I'm still dealing with it, if not worse now than I was when I was a child. 
You know what I mean? When you become a public figure, you open yourself up to absolutely a lot of them. There's so many trials out there, but we ignore trials. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. And um, yes, shout out to yourself. Like I said, being such a fighter. Thanks, buddy. And well done. Keep it up. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more of you down the line. So uh, thank you very much. Martin, Puff, Daddy Ward. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yay!